Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Just a tiny little thing for us to meditate on this morning, and then I have some more thoughts I want to share. But the first little thing that's kind of disconnected is I love that Jesus says it's by the finger of God that he drives out demons. Like, boop, that's it. That's the power of God, right? And another place he talks about by the, by the breath of his mouth, the kingdom, of, the, the kingdom of, of Satan is destroyed. I think it's in the book of Revelation. He's just going, and the birthday candle of uh, the devil is gone. Just an image for us to meditate on this morning when you're thinking about the power of Jesus versus the power of the enemy. Okay, let's get into this gospel a little bit more. So Jesus, he's just performed this exorcism, right? The finger of God, boop, pushing out the enemy, essentially. And uh, this was a huge and significant part of his ministry, this, this exorcistic um, component to his ministry, that there's no understanding the life and ministry of Jesus apart from his role as exorcist. In fact, it's almost the rubric for understanding why he's there in the first place, to destroy the works of the devil here in First Timothy. So, of course, some in the crowds are amazed, some in the crowds are incredulous, some in the crowds are saying that it's by the power of the enemy that he's driving out the enemy, to which Jesus responds with this powerful parable where he says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his palace, his possessions are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks and overcomes him, he takes away the armor on which he relied and distributes the spoils. What Jesus is getting at with this parable, he's talking about what he's come to do. Like this isn't just one parable among many. This is an analogy of the entire mission of the incarnation. He's talking about like the reason why he's there, the reason why the second person of the Trinity has landed on the beaches of creation. He's talking about the events that will soon take place in Jerusalem, the events that we call Holy Week, right? The passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So because this is so significant, let's be very clear about who's who and what's what in this parable because I, speaking for myself, I used to completely, completely misunderstand it. So the strong man who's fully armed, who's guarding his house, who's Jesus referring to there? The enemy. That's who he's talking about. He's not talking about you who's being robbed by Satan. No, he's talking about the enemy. The enemy's the strong man, fully armed, guarding his house. And what is his house? It's this world, this fallen world, right? Jesus, here in Revelation, I saw Satan fall like lightning, where? To the earth. That this world is his, it's his house, if you will. And what are his possessions? What is he guarding? Humanity, right? Humanity, fallen humanity within the grip, within the captivity of the enemy. It's why we sing at Advent, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, right? So the enemy is guarding his possessions, his world, humanity. He goes to attack the father by attacking what he loves the most, which is his children, us, right? He knows he can't attack God, so he attacks God indirectly by taking us captive. So this is what's going on. Then we ask the question, who is the stronger one who's coming to attack and overcome him? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Right? That's, that's, again, that's the rubric that Jesus has in mind. I am the stronger one. 
And I love that he even uses the word, I have come to attack him. We tend to think of Jesus, again, meek and mild Jesus, gentle Jesus, and he is all of those things. Thanks be to God, he is those things. But he has come to confront and to attack that enemy who has taken us captive, right? Those of you who are, who are C.S. Lewis fans, maybe you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, the scene where Aslan invades Jadis' fortress, the ice fortress, and unleashes um, all glory in there as he breathes on those figures who've been turned to stone by her, uh, her dark magic. That's Jesus invading the fortress of hell. That's what he's doing on Holy Saturday. Spoiler alert, right? That's what he's doing on Holy Saturday. Okay, but there's one last little thing that I want to draw our attention to. Jesus says that he will attack and overcome the strong man, that he'll reclaim his possessions, namely us, but something else, that he will take away the armor on which the strong man relied. This has got me really meditating and praying. What is this armor on which the strong man relies? The enemy, what does he rely on? What's the armor? Primarily, it's this. It's the lies he tells. And of the lies he tells, it's the lies that he tells about the Father. Right? Pope St. John Paul II, in his book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, he says this about original sin, the attack of original sin, that it's not only the violation of a positive command, but it attempts to abolish fatherhood, destroying its rays which permeate the created world, placing in doubt the truth about who God is, that he is love, and leaving man only with a sense of the master-slave relationship. In other words, what John Paul II is saying is that original sin from the beginning was an attack on the fatherhood of God, the identity of God, that he's not good, that he's not provident, that he's not trustworthy, he's He's a competitor, he's an enemy, he's a rival, he's not someone to be trusted. And if that's the case, if that's the framework, then he's the master, we're the slave. And the only sensible thing to do is what Satan did, which is to throw off the chains of servitude and offer your own non-serviam, I will not serve. Right? So the enemy from the beginning has been like the armor in which he relies, the propaganda that is so persuasive that he's used throughout all of this fallen history of humanity is he whispers, do you really think he's good? If he was really good, he would not have let this happen to you. If he was really good, he would have, he would have allowed you to have this. He would have answered this prayer that way. Like he fooled our first parents with this lie in paradise. How much easier is it for him to fool us with this lie, for us to buy into this lie when we live in this fallen world where there's cancer and death and injustice and murder and theft and backstabbing and selfishness? How much easier it is for him to sell us this lie that the Father is not good, that he's not trustworthy. This is the armor that he gives us. He puts this steel-plated armor on our hearts to render us impervious to the Father's love. Don't trust him. Don't think that he's good. Keep yourself protected away from God because to be in relationship with him creates this life-robbing dependence. That's the lie. That's the armor. That's the, original. That's the only play he runs. Don't trust him. Jesus, in his very person, he's unmasking the lie and he strips the armor. Tenth station, Jesus is stripped of his garments. Jesus 
in his incarnation, is, he is stripped of the garments of his divinity as he lowers himself into the humility of our humanity to show that the Father is not a taker. He's not a rival. He's not interested in taking life from us. He's interested in giving and bestowing blessing and goodness and mercy. Right? It's the unbelievable inversion of the food chain because everywhere else in creation, the bigger fish eats the smaller fish and the even bigger fish eats that fish. So on and so forth. And then we come to God, the biggest fish around, and we think he's going to eat us. And he says, no, take this, all of you, eat of it. This is my body given for you. Right? He inverts the whole thing. Jesus unmasks the enemy's lie. He strips the armor. He says, the Father's here for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. I come that you might have life and have it to the full as he willingly lays down his life for us. So friends, in this Mass, as we continue here in this celebration of the Eucharist, I just want to invite us to consider and like, look at our own hearts and maybe keep examining this throughout the day. What part of your heart still believes the enemy's propaganda about the Father? Because there are parts that still believe the propaganda of hell. Keep him at a distance. Keep the Father at a distance. Keep God at a distance. Don't let him into that. Keep him a little distance from that. Not sure if he's trustworthy with this. That's the enemy's propaganda. He is worthy of our full surrender. And so let us attempt a little bit more today to offer that full surrender to the Father. Amen.